same China, different stories. We are the ones that found their way in a new life. Adopted babies, adopted babies from China. Coast of the United States, so different time zones, which is pretty fun. Myla, please go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us more about you and your adoption. Awesome. Okay. Um, well, I was abandoned at three months old, so I feel like that's kind of older than most adoptees. Like I know my sister was, um, I think, abandoned at around ten days, and um, I was left in a little like alleyway in between some pretty tall city buildings in Wuzhou, Guangxi. And I did have a little note with me, so it did say my birthday. So I do know my actual birthday, assuming that that's true. So I thought that was kind of cool um, when I was younger, especially. So my parents kept that when they adopted me. I think I was 14 months old. So yeah. And um, the first place I moved to in the States was actually Montana. And then we had family there. So we've gone back there. Um, so I love Montana. I think it's a really beautiful state. But when I was three, we moved to Oregon and I've been here basically ever since. But um, in about a month, I am going to move to Seattle for an internship I just got with Boeing. So that's pretty exciting. Ooh, nice. So how far is Seattle from Oregon? From where I live, um, because I live in like Portland, so the Mm. northern part. um, I go to school in Corvallis right now, but from where I live in Portland, I think it's about three hours. So it's not terrible, but definitely farther than I'm used to being from home. Ah, yeah, that'll be a, <laughs> I mean, it's an internship too, so that'll be a good experience, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. like, that's so cool that you had a note left with you with your birthday. Did it say just like your birthday or did it have, because uh, the note that I found that I had is a note that has like my lunar calendar birthday and then like my birthday, I guess, on the other calendar. The Oh, yeah. No, yeah, it was just, it was just, um. It's just like the regular calendar yeah I actually just don't know but yeah I'm pretty sure it was. that's so cool I was just saying yeah I think it's cool that we both have I guess I know I didn't know how many other I guess all the other adoptees I've met so far haven't so yeah it's a different it's different I think some people have stuff left with them sometimes like blankets or mm-hmm. little sweaters and everything and others have notes I don't know it goes both ways many ways <laughs> For what can be left with you. I actually went and got the note that was left with me tattooed. I was like, why not? It's in handwriting that I'm sure is of the birth family. Is my oh, guess. My yeah. sister and I always talk about if we get tattoos, we would get matching ones. I think on our arm, but it would be um, like the coordinates of where we were left and, and our parents' handwriting. So I'd probably do it in my dad's handwriting and she would get my mom's handwriting. Ooh. So, she's 16, so she can't get a tattoo yet. So maybe when she's 18, we'll actually do it. That sounds like a really good idea. Yeah, so that's something that we've always talked about. So it's kind of fun. And how much younger is your sister? She's four years younger, so I'm about to turn 21. She's about to turn 17. Oh, okay. So next year, upcoming March, she'll turn 17, and then in April, I'll be 21. Okay, so your birthday's actually coming up soon. Both of your birthdays are coming up soon. Yeah. Well, 21's a pretty big milestone birthday, though, in I guess in the U.S. I don't think anywhere else. Do you have any 
thing you hope you can do this time for well I mean last year's its own story of course but yeah Yeah. turning 21 are you going to do anything or try to do anything special for that day I don't I mean I guess because I'll be up in Seattle so I don't really know what's up there um when I turn 21 but maybe I'll come back down to um Corvallis like my college town um on the weekend and maybe go to the bars and see my friends or something mm-hmm. I know some of them are open when they're like outside so maybe I'll do something like that hopefully. yeah and I guess the weather is probably more friendly now over there I want to say I know I feel like in April for Oregon at least it rains a lot so we'll see hopefully it'll be like kind of nice but I feel like in Oregon it could be anything and you haven't been to Seattle before, right? This is your first time. I've been for like a family vacation. We were just going, we did like the very tourist stuff. Like we went to Pike Place, we went to the Space Needle. That was kind of mostly it. We went on like the ferry and went to like little islands and that they have in like the Puget Sound, I think is what it is. But yeah, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Okay. So when you move there for your internship, you'll be able to experience all the, I guess, touristy things and other things too. <laughs> Yeah, I'm super excited. I mean, um, so I found a couple of the roommates that are also going to be interning there as well. So we'll all um, live together and try, we're all making lists of things that we want to do. So I think it'll be super fun. Oh, nice. Yeah. So what exactly are you going to be doing for them? I don't know yet. They haven't um, told me. So I'm in this um, program. It's just like a co-op program that they've paired interns with like companies and everything so we actually just found out that we got the internship and all I know really at this point is that I'm in person for sure because it could have been remote um that is literally all they've told me so far okay Okay. it's like yeah it's kind of chaotic and I feel very stressed about it (laughs) well I guess it'd be good to backtrack and talk about what you actually study and how you came to decide what you wanted to study too Yeah, so I am a mechanical and manufacturing engineering major. Um, I recently added a humanitarian engineering minor just because I started being more interested in like the ethical and sustainability side of engineering. But I became a mechanical engineer. I was kind of contemplating my senior year. My dad knew that I really liked math and science and he was and like also knew that I was very creative. I like love art. I love drawing, painting, and I love dance. So very creative things. And I think mechanical engineering actually can encapsulate a lot of that, like the creativity and structural side of things. So yeah, that's why I chose it. And then when I toured OSU, so that's the school I go to now, Oregon State, I saw this one club, uh, the Formula One team actually, and the tour guide also was a mechanical engineer and worked on the car. And she got to talk about some of the parts that she worked on. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to do that. That looks super cool. Um, so yeah, and actually now I am on another racing team. I'm on the Baja SV racing team, which makes like little cars. We call them cars, but they look kind of more like, I guess, dune buggies. So and we race those. That's so cool that when you toured this school, and I guess it's known for the study, the program that you're studying in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it for engineer. Ah, like, okay. So. so when you toured OSU as an Oregon State University, not like the OSU, <laughs> which is Ohio State, by the way. I'm sure you, I don't know if you get that a lot. I don't imagine you would where you are. When I first, like when I was a freshman or going into my freshman year, I feel like everyone was kind of starting to follow like other OSU students and like other, um, that makes sense. And I got a lot of followers from Ohio State, I feel like, because I like, had OSU in my like bio. So I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. And then I believe we had talked about this, but you also really enjoy dance, right? So you, yeah. Do you think you get, you'll have an opportunity to do more of that too in 
Seattle or you think you'll probably be like all work no play <laughs> I hope so so from what I've heard from past interns they say it's very like a nine-to-five job once you're kind of done you shouldn't be working outside of like work hours so hopefully I can do something up there um, maybe find another studio or something fun or at least do virtual stuff I really don't know what they have for in person especially mm-hmm. and I'm not sure what the COVID cases look like in Seattle right yeah. now yeah yeah. And today I actually just dropped off my uh, key to my old dance studio. I was teaching um, elementary age students uh, there. So I just dropped that off because I, I have to leave. So, oh man. I yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Like, are you back? And I was like, I'm not actually. I'm just dropping off my key, but I miss you. It's like all the sentimental feelings. <laughs> yeah. So you just found out that you are getting, you have this internship. Mm-hmm. And then you start in a month. Is that the end of the semester? Yeah. So it's like around spring break. So I should start after spring break. I'm not sure when that is. So my family did book a, us a vacation to Hawaii for spring break. So hopefully it is for sure after spring break and not before. Because I'm here. That'd be a, that's a nice little trip before you have to go work hard. <laughs> Yeah, my mom and my dad tried to, they were just like, we've been cooped up for a really long time, and hopefully just knowing that we all have to get tested before we go fly over there, hopefully it'll be okay, so. Mm-hmm. Have you been to Hawaii before? We have, yeah, I've, we have a timeshare there, so I've gone ever since I was like eight, almost every year, um, I haven't in a couple of years just because of college and stuff, just doing mm-hmm. classes, but um, did a lot in high school, at least, so that was really fun, yeah. Cool. I feel like that's a really good location to have a timeshare. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. It's been a really great place. Yeah. Which is interesting because I know we had talked last time when we talked, actually, you haven't been to the East Coast of the U.S. yet, right? I haven't. No, I definitely want to. I don't know if I've talked to many people who, I guess most people I've interacted with are usually from the East Coast of the U.S., like in different, a lot of New York, of course, it just happens to be that way. But it's always mm-hmm. fascinating to talk to somebody who's like, you're like a West Coast individual. You grew up over there. Well, well Montana obviously is not West yeah. Coast. But you grew up <laughs> primarily on the West Coast, like Oregon, and then you're going to Seattle. So I, I presume you've like you gone down South to like California too, right? Just for fun. Yeah. Yeah. Just one little vacation, stuff like that to see family. Man, it's just like a different perspective, which is so cool. No, I definitely want to go to New York just looking at everything. It just seems like super cool. Just very different. I don't know how like you see it. I just see it as a very vibe almost. Mm-hmm. I just feel like the West Coast from like how again how I see it is just like very laid back, pretty chill. And I just feel like everything is really like go, go, go on the East Coast. I think East Coast in general kind of has that feeling. And then yeah. West Coast, I haven't really been there. I visited once. Mm-hmm. I think it does have that feeling. But I, I imagine both of our perceptions are impacted by movies and media yeah yeah definitely not personal experience so definitely just like from what I've seen I'm like it just seems like it's like everyone's like hustling over there so (laughs) Boeing is I'm thinking airplanes yeah right it is a plane company yeah okay the building I'm going to is actually um or the factory I'm going to be working as actually the largest building um, by volume in the world, which is insanely intimidating. I was like, okay, that's scary, but. Whoa, that's so cool. So, yeah, definitely exciting, but very intimidating. 
I wonder if it's going to be like you have to take a bus to get from one part of the factory to the like the other. Do you know? Yeah, I have no idea. I've been trying to like look up videos and stuff of the building, and there's like a couple like just like regular tour ones, but um, it's like kind of like the main um building where all the airplanes are. So I don't know. All the little so cool. There. Yeah. So. Oh very man. Different. I'm sure it it will be imitate in, imitating. <laughs> it will be intimidating at first, but then it'll become just like your normal every day. And then anybody you talk to, they'll be like, "What? Show me a picture or something." Or, yeah, I don't know. It seems like something cool you can share when you're older too. It's like, yeah, I worked in the biggest building factory by volume yeah. in the world. Just casual. <laughs> just a fun little topic to bring up. Oh yeah. Bit, yeah. <laughs> Other than the fact that we're all adoptees here. It's like, this is the other cool fact. I don't know. Yeah, I guess that would then transition into, because we're talking about how you haven't been to the East Coast of the U.S. Have you actually been back to China or like where you're from? Do you want to go back to where you're from? Or even where your yeah, sister's I, from? Uh, um, we haven't been back to where my sister's from, actually. So my for my graduation gift from high school, my parents said, where do you want to go? Like, we will take you on a trip, like wherever, like, this is like super cool. You graduate high school, you're going to go off to college. And I said, China, I, I definitely wanted to go back. I, for me, adoption has always been a big part of my life. It's kind of definitely impacted, I think, who I am, whereas like my sister for sure is, I don't want to know. I don't want to go back to like, I don't want to go back, basically. She definitely didn't want to come up with it at first. She was like, why are you choosing China? And I was like, I don't know. Like, of course, like, for me, it makes sense. I don't know. So we did the like kind of typical heritage tour. So went to Beijing. I think I could be like butchering these names, but like Xi'an, I think that's the place with the terracotta warriors. So that was pretty cool uh -huh. to see. Chengdu, where the panda research facility is, and then Guilin. Mm. Um, I think that is like the prettiest place I've I've been to in China. I just think the mountains are just so unreal. So different than anything we have in the States. I just think it's so cool and so beautiful. Um, and then after that, we went to Wuzhou, um, Guangxi, where I'm from, where I was adopted. So I got to go to the orphanage there and actually see the place that I was left. So that was kind of cool. We got to eat um, at a really cool restaurant there as well. So, and then I think the last place we went to was Shanghai. We went to Shanghai Disneyland. There. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. What is that like, Sh uh, Shanghai Disneyland? Before pre-COVID, of course, obviously, it was just yeah. insane amounts of just people. And then my parents are pretty, not like super tall, I guess, but I mean, for when we went to China, decently tall around everyone. So they kind of towered over most people, just like in lines and everything. I just thought it was really funny. And then uh, definitely everyone wanting to take pictures with them wherever they go. So we had a lot of that in uh, Shanghai Disneyland, especially. <laughs> Really? What, what, I guess, what are the physical attributes of your parents? I mean, they're tall, but are they like uh, brunette or blonde or? My mom's blonde um, <laughs> and my dad doesn't have hair, so he's bald. <laughs> but um, I guess they're not, yeah, they're not super tall. I'm trying to think how tall they are. Just, I just can compare it to, I think, like, y'all, I guess most of the Asians are, feel like, shorter. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the blonde hair really got it for my mom and stuff. And it was kind of funny just seeing a bunch of like, usually like I think middle school like aged 
like children wanting to take pictures with them I feel like oh my god that's so weird like they're like middle school age girls just wanting to take pictures with my dad just because he's like white and they hadn't seen like a white man really before something like that and it just was so strange for me and my sister to like see that happen right you guys look okay that's I guess it is because they what their perception of I guess foreigners is usually mm-hmm. epitomized is it epitomized I'm not sure what the right word but it's like the, it's encapsulated in like basically mm-hmm. I guess what your mom blonde hair and tall fair skin or mm-hmm. you know it is what it is <laughs> but it's yeah. funny that because you you went you said after you graduated from high school so that was like four years ago right or three oh gosh am I really that old um <laughs> 18 so oh my gosh it's only like three years ago three years yeah, three, oh yeah yeah so almost four. Oh my god that does feel like a really long time ago I guess I know but at the same time it's really not though because three years is yeah. uh um, it's fascinating that that's still, I don't know if that trend would go away. Uh, I'm, I'm imagining more, well, maybe not in 2020, of course, or even this year, there's a lot of foreigners who go to China for sure, especially in a popular area. I would think Shanghai would be one of them. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. so fascinating how that works. Yeah. I don't know. Is there that equivalent in the U S where we would want to take pictures of people <laughs> traveling? Yeah, it's so, it's definitely very different, I guess. I mean, especially when one of the other group members in our um, uh, little tour group, he was, I think, like 6'1", and he definitely got a lot of um, pictures taken with him as well. So, because he was uh, super tall, so I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Why is this, like, what exactly do these kids have access to? Because it seems like they get a mixed view or I don't know I mean I hear this often so it's like not a surprise either but yeah but the other places you mentioned too I didn't realize that Guilin was such a big spot for heritage tours because I was speaking with somebody else recently who said they also Mm -hmm. went to Guilin, Chengdu, and Beijing Mm -hmm. as like spots for a tour so I was like I didn't realize that was the case (laughs) yeah it must be like the places like hit I think I mean it makes sense, at least for me, with Guaylin. I just think it's so beautiful there. So I'm like, honestly, yeah. So, and I think if I ever went back, I kind of want to go to more places like that, not like the biggest, like, touristy mm-hmm. spots, more on, like, the, I guess, like, nature side of things and seeing, like, the landscapes and stuff. I think that would be kind of cool to do. Maybe not, like, a tour, just kind of do our own thing. Mm-hmm. I I actually, when I went to Guaylin, because I was in Guaylin for a little bit, because I kind of did my own sort of tour with my dad in a sense but like I went to Guilin with him and did like a Chinese program and then I went to Ningbo which is where I'm from we had to do a plane ride but in Guilin mm-hmm. there's actually a I guess like state park I don't know if it's really mm-hmm. called state park I guess Chinese owned facility park I guess in the U.S. <laughs> we would call it state park I think but I think in China it's not called that uh, the seven star park I don't know if you were able to see that but I think it's actually called so familiar I went to the the caves there so that was like the attraction yeah the caves I didn't get to see the caves darn (laughs) yeah I think like it was just interesting because we're we're obviously we're Chinese if you're not a Chinese citizen you have to pay a fee to go into the park but if you are a Chinese citizen I think if you have a card or something you just show that you go into the park I didn't Mm -hmm. have a I also don't have a card because I'm not a Chinese citizen and my passport is American but I must have went some entryway that nobody stopped me and I just walked in. 
Oh, really? Yeah, I was like, I don't know. I, I feel like that's happened a few times on my journey in Asia, in China, or mm-hmm. like Hong Kong. Sometimes I just walk into stuff, and I don't know if it's because we mm-hmm. are Chinese that we can just do that. Not entirely sure. But yeah, I told we... my dad about it. He's like, yeah, no, I had to pay like uh, 40 yuan or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what oh, features just... of the park were like There this? is, I think oh, there's a mountainside that looks like an elephant. Or camel. Oh, okay. It might be a camel. Okay. One of those two. I don't know why that sounds familiar. I don't know if my sister and I used to watch when we were younger um, a movie. It was Big Bird in China. And that like weird that like sounds familiar. Like I know that that was in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what it's called. That's and it so was, again, it wasn't that long ago that I went to. I'm like maybe it was. I just remember like I don't know why that movie we still watched all the time just to like I guess just see what China looked like because we've yeah. never been at that point. There was yeah like a little mountainside, but it's in a river. It looks like an elephant, and I would have to look that up. I have no idea where that. It was. probably is an elephant. Okay. I just remember the name of the park is, um, I'm pretty sure I might get the tones wrong, but it's like Qi Xing Gong Yuan, which is like Seven Star Park. Um, I don't know why it's called Seven Star either. I forget. But I had I, I had taken like the bus and everything and just figured it out and spoke to some people with very limited like Mandarin, like going here, where do I, like, how do I get off? <laughs> um, it was nice <laughs> good experience I guess that's like one thing definitely I wish going back I, I wish I would have um studied more Chinese and mm. been able to speak the language um easier when I was younger I was pretty fluent at around the age of eight because my parents had put me in like a little um Chinese immersion class um and then my instructor moved to Taiwan <laughs> and then again just being in a very we were in a very rural like area Oregon and that wasn't really offered um until unless you wanted to go take like college classes basically and uh, ah. I was 16 so um yeah Ooh, well since you were pretty fluent I guess fluent and you learned when we were eight I guess if you wanted to you could always start again I, I imagine it would come back not too difficult yeah there was I mean when we were in China um we stayed with a little host family for a couple days and the host mom was trying to help us and like teach us some um words and stuff and I feel like if I actually like stayed there and like lived there for a while I don't think it would be actually that hard for me mm-hmm. at least I haven't really had the opportunity to really I guess try a lot and mm-hmm. I know I, I wanted to minor in Chinese um in college and I talked to my advisor about it and she was like you're gonna be an engineer and I said yes and she was like please don't do that to yourself <laughs> so I was like okay maybe I, I won't do that um just try to focus on this instead for now there's always time <laughs> that you can go back and if you want to learn Mandarin you can if you don't like don't feel like you have to of course but I I know I was talking to somebody who mentioned because it's like our birth language technically even though we were adopted very young or I, mean, I was four but three months or even like earlier than that since we were adopted so young that supposedly it's like inherent in our mind or supposedly Mm -hmm. that we should be able to like pick up on it and relearn and speak supposedly yeah I know it's definitely interesting to like I don't know like think about if that actually like affects it in that small period of time yeah Mm -hmm. I mean I was um I was abandoned at three months old so I was actually adopted at 14 months old 
so mm-hmm. I was around like a year old um so yeah I wonder at that time can like could I have understood that it's Chinese mm-hmm. right yeah who knows I feel like this is a good segue and a way to put a break in this pause here too growing up on the east coast of the u.s too it's just like montana what is in there what what do you do in montana <laughs> i just think i mean i haven't been back in a really long time i just think it's um it's just a really it's really pretty in the summer i think i mean mm. in the winter it's pretty cool because it's just like just massive amounts of snow i think it was one reason we moved was my dad hated the snow he was like, I cannot stand this anymore. I don't want to shovel everything out of the driveway to like try to leave. And like, you couldn't really leave anyways if you wanted to sometimes. So um, yeah, I think in the summer, it's just super duper pretty. Um, mm-hmm. Just like mountain ranges and stuff. Look at it later. Yeah, I've been back in a while. Just like from what I remember, it was just really pretty. I feel like Montana is one of those states that gets a lot of flack for just like, why would you live there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think, like, the drives and, like, there being, like, less, I guess, like, city life. Oh, um, yeah. That part's just, like, really pretty, yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm very co- cosmopolitan, <laughs> I guess would be the word. In a way, I guess, yeah, those who grow up, I guess, near a very city center, urban area, we have such a strong critique of areas that are <laughs> not. <laughs> not like that. <laughs> not like that. Yeah, there goes me sounding pretty rude. <laughs> I mean, like what you know, I feel like, you know, you know what you know. Yeah, it makes sense. Based off. Kind of, I guess, in the way that my perception of like New York is like, everyone's kind of doing their own thing. Just, yeah, just go in. So there are definitely some ugly parts to New York, but then again, I'm sure there's ugly parts to every space you live in. So it doesn't really make a difference. It's just a decision. Yeah. Well, what do I want to do? Pros and cons, good and bad, so all, all parts. Yeah. yeah, that is really cool. Oh, I remember what I wanted to ask. The note that was left with you, did they give that to your parents when you were adopted or did they um, hold on to it and they gave it to you when you went back? Oh, yeah, they gave that to my parents when I was adopted. So I've had that ever since I was growing up. So I thought that was super cool. Uh, when I was younger, I used to really think that was super special and stuff like that so it's on yeah. like a little red piece of paper we have it in like a little folder somewhere in like our office so that's so cool and it's handwritten too right mm-hmm. yeah but um when I did get to go back there was actually one one staff member left that that was there when I was there which was pretty cool she was um a nurse or like a little nanny nurse I guess um mm. I'm trying to think of like the word that they used to describe her but anyways she actually remembered me which I thought was it was super emotional when we went back and, that happened. and they like showed us a picture of like my year like all the girls that were I guess yeah um found in my year and brought into the orphanage that year and um and she could actually pick me out from that picture she she knew exactly which one I was and wow. I was super sweet um yeah it was super emotional the, the translator my parents I'm all of us were like in tears we just thought it was just yeah super cool very unique experience um for sure yeah how long were you guys there for 
I think in my like home city, we were there for, I want to say two to three days. Mm-hmm. Our whole heritage trip was, I think, around four, like two weeks. I think that's another thing that I would probably do differently if I went, just because it felt very like rushed. It was like, oh, mm-hmm. we're doing three days here, then we're going on a train, and then we're going to do a couple days here, then you're being, again, another train here. A lot of bullet trains, which was pretty cool, actually. I thought that was just neat, but yeah, definitely not a lot of time spent in one place which I think would have been kind of cool to like take a time like a breather it was Mm -hmm. not a relaxing trip I would say it was very very cool but it was definitely not like a vacation where you're just like chilling out you know yeah I guess because like you have a schedule and you want to hit all they want you guys all to hit these like spots too so Yeah, yeah exactly especially with the time change and it was like right off the bat we're gonna go do this this and this and mm. I remember like half of us we watched went like some like acrobatic show in Beijing and I think most of us fell asleep during it just because we <laughs> jet lag not like yeah stay awake yeah is there anything else that I don't know I really can ask about your experience of going back to like your orphanage but it's I'm trying to think what all they did have a fun little basket for us of just kind of like fruits and food so that's pretty cool a lot of lychee from there Say it, lychee, lychee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about, but I can't think of the pronunciation correctly either. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, I thought it was really neat because it was very different than like going to my like home city rather than like all the bigger places we went on like the heritage tour because it was very went to like a restaurant and it was definitely you could just tell that not a lot of tourists came through that area, obviously, because it wasn't like the big place to hit or something. They were all very shocked when we came to the restaurant when my parents were there. Just just kind of went silent, which I thought was really interesting too. So, I've noticed this experience because I started to speak to Chinese individuals in New York even, just like mm-hmm. occasionally it just comes up, but I've started to explain like where I'm an adoptee or like I'm an mm-hmm. orphan essentially. And it's, you get like a very mixed reaction, but I think in general, there's like a energy of people don't necessarily want to like really talk about it or they're kind of, there's like a discomfort mm-hmm. still. So I was like, oh, I hope like eventually at some point we're going to be able to like really be comfortable just talking about it because it is a part of the history. And especially if you're Chinese and you came to the U.S., I, I imagine it's going to come up more. Mm-hmm. that's like a tangent <laughs> a little bit no that's fine definitely though I feel like well one of the things so because like again I had a really hard time with my adoption when I was younger um mm-hmm. I went to a counselor at one point and it just didn't really I guess help at all <laughs> for from my standpoint um my parents think it helped like a little bit at least like they got to understand where I was coming from but eventually she recommended this camp for adoptees and so Ever since I was, I think, 10, I went there until I was up to, I think, 16 was when I aged out. But um, it was through Holt International. So that's what the agency I was adopted through as well. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. And then I really got to connect with other adoptees there because, again, like you said, it's like no one really wants to talk to me about it, which I don't really have a problem talking about my adoption. But I'm also not going to just like bring it up because I don't know how mm. other people feel about that. You know, it just, I... It just, yeah, seems like an uncomfortable topic for people to talk about, I guess. Having that camp really, I think, helped me connect to a larger um, community of adoptees, and I loved it. It was so much fun. Oh, wow. So you got to go there from 10 to 16. So, yeah, six years is a pretty good amount yeah. of time to... Yeah, was well, it only during, like, the summer, or...? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was one week out of the summer, like every year yeah, up until I was 16. And so eventually, like, because it's that long, most of the kids would come back. And so I made pretty good friends throughout it. So yeah, super cool. Oh. And a bunch of people, they had a bunch of camps like throughout the US, but just because some people made friends there, they would keep coming back. So I did know a couple of people from like the East Coast. One girl was from New York. I knew another girl mm-hmm. from Maine or New Jersey. I don't know why I can't think of which one she was from. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so just kind of all over, which was super cool too. And the camp counselors were also from all over because they traveled camp to camp. So that was super wow. cool. Yeah. yeah, it was it was a really cool experience. I definitely I wanted to be a camp counselor and then just I think again life got in the way of just college and classes and things. Mm-hmm. But I'm still pretty excited and, and um, happy that I had the experience when I was younger. I think that's yeah. when I knew well. Wow. I feel like you've gone through a lot of feelings and emotions with your adoption at such a, I want to say like younger age than many have, I want to say. Because I mean, you went back to China and where you're like your orphanage, basically when you were like 18. And then before Mm -hmm. that you were growing up, going to the camp and like dealing with those complicated feelings, which is really cool to hear and like listen to that too. Because so many people I think struggle with it mm-hmm. I mean I personally do still even now and I'm like 27 so <laughs> it's a journey as they say it it's is. a journey everyone takes it at a different time like again like my sister still like doesn't talk about it doesn't ask any questions and but maybe she will later on mm-hmm. and maybe she never will but yeah I never really yeah. realized how how much I did with my adoption at such a young age, I guess, until I started kind of joining like the Facebook groups of like subtle Asian adoptee traits and stuff like that. And like hearing other people's stories of how they've kind of come to connect with their adoption, like the community of adoptees. And I was like, oh, I didn't even realize that. I don't know, like how people are like handling it now. I'm like, I feel like I went through those emotions in that kind of stage of like how they're feeling, but very like young. And I kind mm-hmm. of already worked through that. Well, I guess this is a good segue because it's the last question I always ask. I think this is a great transition. Is is there anything else you'd like to hear from other adoptees or other people who adoption has become a big part of their life? I guess I always just like to know, I guess, yeah, how it's made you into who you are today, if it has at all affected you or if it hasn't. I think something that my family personally just likes to talk about a lot is like nature versus nurture. Like, mm. do you think? you've been more affected by, I guess, biologically your genetics from like your heritage in China, or do you think it's been more affected by your adoptive parents or adoptive parent? Um, mm-hmm. well, it's kind of interesting to see, yeah, what traits are from where, because yeah. I mean, no, or most of us don't know our, our biological parents. I think it's very interesting to know um, what parts have you come from, yeah, who, and from what. where and what. Yeah. I think beyond that question too, to add to it, I'm kind of curious to learn more about the genetics, just of physical attributes and characteristics too, like yeah, beyond I've just our def- heritage too. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely been curious of like, yeah, what my biological parents look like, what features I've actually gotten from them. Me and my sister, when I, when we think about it, we're very, our personalities at least are very alike our parents. Um, we get a lot of like who we are from them. And my mom always likes to say that she thinks about 10% of us have definitely come from like our genetics. There's like a little bit of us that we can't really explain why we're like that. Like looking at our parents. We're, I don't know if this is like for everyone, but I know that for me, my sister, we're both very 
self-motivated to the point where we get very stressed out. We're very, um, whether we're doing like school or like another activity, we will go all in. No one's ever set that pressure or expectation on us. It's just what we have. And so I, my mom always thinks that that's, that could be part of our genetics in a way, rather than mm. definitely didn't come from my parents. So she always thought that was kind of interesting, or maybe that's just who we are. Yeah. I'd like to hear from other people, I guess. Yeah, what they think. That's so interesting because I was having this conversation with somebody recently about how our parents like raise us too, like the people, our parents Mm -hmm. who raise us, like our mom and dad or just dad or mom and how they deal with conflict, we learn from them too. So as we grow Mm -hmm. up, it's sort of like, are we going to continue to deal with conflict the same way our parents do in those conversations? Or are we going to find a different way to deal with conflict? I feel like that's a, like that goes beyond like just the heritage of course too but I feel like that's Mm -hmm. like another thing that I want to like start asking people too as well Mm -hmm. like so do you feel you challenge I guess that's a human nature thing too not just adoptees of course we have that layer in there but in a general sense of do you feel you still interact and approach conflict the way that you do your parents did and Mm -hmm. how you do that now that's like a whole nother podcast story yeah. I was talking to my friend about that earlier today too very something yeah similar it's like I feel like because of the, like the way you were raised it can go either way you can project that same kind of I guess parenting style or like the way that yeah they handle things um and do the exact same thing or you can go completely the opposite direction because you didn't like what they did I guess or you know or you found a better way or something like that I think it's mm-hmm. yeah interesting to see how that works all in I would like to find out about this whole graying hair thing at 25. Just want to point that out. <laughs> we talked about that, yeah. Dude, we did my, talk about this, right? My okay. sister is like that because she she's, yeah, four years younger than me. I've never had a gray hair and she's already getting them. She's but, getting like little ones, right? Here and there. Yeah, just here and there, just like small little ones, but um. Definitely sometimes enough to notice like when we're just kind of sitting down and she'll be like, oh my gosh, here's another and just like pull it out or. Oh man. I wonder where she's from. It's like, so what part of China are you adopted from? Yeah, maybe it is something from like, uh, she's from um, uh, Jiangxi, I think. Okay. From. I'm definitely confident that's further south too. That might I thought be. it was north. Yeah, I was like, I feel like sometimes like the provinces sound very similar to me at oh, least yeah. I remember I always get my sister's province and mine mixed up because hers is Jiangxi mine's Guangxi mm. so in my mind I'm like oh, the she's I don't know why they like confuse me well I can definitely the only thing I can say to your sister is well as you get older and if you're because I had the same thing as her like I at 15 16 I started getting every so often and it became apparent yeah now being 27 it's all there however it looks like I styled it so might happen to your sister too so you can tell her that it's it's all good you're gonna look real suave <laughs> strategically placed so it looks okay yes. you're gonna look real suave you're gonna pull off that silver fox look at 25 <laughs> it was like all of a sudden 26 it was just like bam like all right <laughs> It's here and it's not going away. <laughs> I'll definitely warn her about that. She won't be happy. No, maybe maybe at a different time. <laughs> Until she's like eighteen. After you get your tattoo, it's like yeah, by the because you'll have your euphoria kicking in. By the way, you're gonna yeah. look real good, Silver Fox. 
<laughs> in the future. Suffer with some good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Good news after a tattoo. It's pretty cool. I, I I like tattoos occasionally. I don't know if I now I'm getting on tangents that's not at all related to <laughs> the podcast anymore. Yes. Okay. Backtracking now. But yeah, this was a very good conversation. I really enjoy the ones where it's like you don't necessarily as like I don't really necessarily have a direction I want to go, but it's like mm-hmm. a, it's an unexpected surprise to like hear about your trip back and like actually like the emotions and everything that you dealt with going there and when you were younger I was like oh wow this is like super fascinating it's it's the reason that I enjoy doing this so yeah but thank you for that talk this conversation yeah thank you for like having me here and this opportunity to share this I think that's super cool yeah yeah it was just another another story that people can listen to and I think it's wonderful that people will be able to hear your perspective of going back I mean it's I want to say most Jaffis I've spoken to have not been back. So it's like a, like a mix mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking for, yeah, this would be an opportunity to like, yeah, hear another story and reach out if anyone wants to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that way is really awesome. Definitely one congratulations on your internship. That's pretty big. And this big facility, the biggest facility in the world with planes. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that it? Yes. So yeah. Need a need a lot of luck. Sounds really intimidating. You got this. You got this for sure. I don't think they would have had to be an intern if you didn't, right? I imagine. Who knows? I hope, yeah. And I guess it'll be happy birthday. I I think this will probably be up before your birthday. But just in case, happy twenty first birthday. Thank Make good you. decisions. Look both ways before you cross the street, as I always, say. you know, my older mate used to say that. But just to be wise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You, sometimes you need the reminder sometimes you need the reminder everybody if you're listening to this on a walk make sure you're looking both ways <laughs> do you have any social media you would want to share yeah so my instagram is myla and spell that good most people can't spell that so m-y-l-a underscore l-i so that's my that was actually part of my middle name um that mm-hmm. the orphanage gave me my chinese name is Wu Li Du. so they put that in my middle name um when I was adopted so yeah Myla Lee is my Instagram and then um Myla makes art is my art Instagram I do little digital art and stickers there so yeah oh so cool we didn't even get into that conversation it's like so you got this engineering side but you also have this very artistic like dancing and artistic creation yeah well I would say that's the end of the recording I was like say goodbye for now usually I do <laughs> yeah and- but yeah I'll keep in touch I'll definitely send you my little note when I find it I definitely have a picture it's cool to have that I feel like we're very fortunate that we have something like that not so many people like I don't know their birthday and I was like man I like very lucky to have that I'm always grateful for that small thing (laughs) I know it's like something very small that I I really do cherish because I yeah, so many people don't know, and I and I think a lot of other people who even aren't adopted or do know their birthday, I think they take that for granted. That's something so small. It's like a part mm-hmm. of you, like important, you know. Yes. Oh, yes, a hundred percent. I'm like, I realize mm-hmm. I'm taking it for granted. I only found out though three years ago that my birthday is officially my birthday because before oh, really? that's why I was asking yeah the note they didn't give it to my parents they actually still have it they didn't give it to me to take home either when I went back I don't know there must be some 
who knows but that's why I like I have a picture and that's why I got it tattooed too because I was like all right since I don't have it like physically I can mm-hmm. now I technically have it physically <laughs> well yeah. that's super cool okay yeah interesting yeah it's so interesting to like yeah hear other stories and like what the orphanage did orphanages they'd give to right. people for adopted parents to have I'm yeah surprised that they didn't give that to you guys it's like I was I've always had mine right it's like I mean, technically that's mine, so I don't know why you are keeping it, but it's, I was in a very big state of shock that I didn't question it or ask, so, so be it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, when you, like, are told that that's your birthday, I guess you just hopefully, oh, yeah. Oh. Okay, it's been 20 years, I didn't know, but now I do. Official, <laughs> cool. It's official. So yeah, now I take it for granted. It's like, oh yeah. But yeah, this is great. This is fun. I was like, we could yeah, keep talking. Fun. And like um, I know, I've had it. It's been a fun conversation. I feel like it's yeah, great to know other people. Right it's now. definitely great. Yeah. Great to know other people and chat. Yeah. Brought me to you. So Yay. <laughs> Thank you for listening to ABC Adopt the Babies from China podcast with your host Tara switch it up a little bit you can reach me at adopted babies from china at gmail.com or adopted babies from china pod on instagram and facebook if you would like to share your story thanks for listening bye have a great day